This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Well, good morning. It's Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Carol, you're all I need to get by on. Good morning. Good morning, Mal. How are you this morning? I'm great. Java said that song was dedicated to you. Well, I'm just smiling and was singing to myself. (laughs) I like it when you sing because often it's on the air. Oh, no. Oh, no. Nice addition to our show. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness! I had no idea. Just kidding. <laughs> so Thanksgiving, Mel. Thanksgiving was magnificent and marvelous and uh, just delightful. We were right here in Jackson, Mississippi, um, on Gillespie Street. Kara, as we used to say, Kara put on the dog. Uh, she outdid herself, and we had a wonderful meal. Uh, my daughter and her family uh, all are suffering from the covid so we 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 cooked a big big meal uh originally intended to have them over but they weren't well so we delivered that meal and then came home and had one of our very own how about you we had a beautiful thanksgiving in the country uh our friends roy and nancy campbell were having thanksgiving alone and mentioned that they were going to be driving down the natchez trace or to vicksburg and we said, swing on by for a socially distanced drink. So we went to the woods. Um, yeah, they're just beautiful woods out at Go Away Lodge where we are. And we sat in chairs about 10 feet apart in a circle and had a little champagne. And it was just wonderful to see people again. You would thought we hadn't seen uh, anybody for a long time. And actually, we hadn't. Right. We had we had so much fun that we decided to share our meal together, and uh, it was it was just magnificent. Yeah, it just sort of uh, serendipitously happened. You invited them by, yeah, staying. For the, it for did, the but the you know the weather was so beautiful, and yeah, you know, we were on a hill in the woods with all the leaves colored and turning, and it was just a magical day. Well, today in this first segment, we have two uh, universal questions to answer, almost metaphysical, if you would. One is, when do you let the leftovers go? And the other one is, when do you put up your Christmas tree? So which one you want to go first on, Carol? Well, I don't want to talk about Christmas trees, but I certainly want to talk about leftovers because uh, that's my favorite thing about, about Thanksgiving and I think you hold on to the leftovers until there's absolutely nothing left over. Uh, I also studied a lot of comments on our Cooking and Coping website. And there's so many creative ways to use leftovers. I mean, I had no idea. I just usually eat them. <laughs> but there is no sense in throwing anything away. And I saw your leftover plate 
uh, posted, and it, it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, I love leftovers. Um, <clears throat> my only contribution this year to the uh, meal was I made a dressing or a stuffing uh, to each their own. Mine was actually a hybrid. Uh, I made cornbread, and I put the cornbread in it, and I also cut up some multigrain bread uh, for for uh, <clears throat> stuffing. So I had a dressing stuffing. But I also did a couple things differently, and I, I do this every now and again. Instead of oysters, I put in a pound of crab meat, and I also used andouille sausages. And so I cut up a half a link of andouille sausage, and I had uh, a pound of crab meat, and I worked it into this cornbread uh, and, and dressing uh, breaded uh, combination with a lots of garlic, lots of onion, lots of celery, lots of sage, and a lot of other fun things. And it was just yummy, yummy, yummy. But Kara did all the rest, and it was all fine. Well, the dressing to me is the, is the big deal. And Malcolm, I would expect for you to dare to be different and put crab meat in your dressing. Well... And then for a binder, of course, I threw in a few eggs, but it was really good. And, uh, and I'm still eating on it to answer the first question. Uh, I, I think I've probably got two more leftover plates left, um, even though I've been whittling away on it. Now, Kara last night had a turkey sandwich with cranberry on it. So oh. she's working on her end of the leftovers as well. Yeah, well, that's delicious. But speaking of dressing... Some of the ideas on cooking and coping were just inspired. One is a fried dressing sandwich. Mm-hmm. Saw and, that. Yeah, and somebody, you know, they uh, just you know, make it into a patty and then fry it and then put it between two loaves of bread, I mean two pieces of bread. <laughs> that looked delicious, but my very favorite one, Malcolm, was a dressing Waffle. I saw that. Dressing waffle. And any number of people picked up and made that. And this dressing waffle, um, I think the person added an egg and just a little bit of chicken broth to make it spreadable on the Belgian waffle iron. And on top of the waffle, there was a heated turkey breast with gravy a swath of spinach madeleine, a glob of mashed potatoes, and topped off with cranberry maple syrup. Hello. Hello. Who who created that? Do you you have their name there? Well, I can't I, remember. I've been, I've been looking. It, it it went around, but Felicia Brown <laughs> okay. Williams from Jackson certainly certainly made it. I'm not who, sure who the originator was, but. <laughs> Probably 20 people, including myself, made turkey gumbo, and it was a recipe that our friend April McGregor published nine years ago in Grist Magazine, and it's still making the rounds. So it was like you could see one person made it and then several more, but I spent my day yesterday making turkey gumbo. Did you use okra in your turkey gumbo? I did not, but I might go back and add a little when I'm heating it up. But it, it had a very dark roux. It took almost 50 minutes to make just the roux, a very wow. dark roux. It was delicious. Well, I talked to my friend Bill Nichols in Washington, D.C. yesterday, and he was making his turkey 
carcass gumbo as well. So it's not just for those of us uh, in the Deep South. It seems that uh, others also do the, the same sort of thing. Yep. Let's see. There were also turkey enchiladas, mm. turkey Reuben, um, the Cajun fried turkey leftovers sounded really good and a couple of turkey pot pies oh there were two people that did something called there were different versions of an after thanksgiving pie with pastry kind of a rustic tart and pastry where you put everything left over from thanksgiving in and folded it up in the pastry <laughs> and baked it <laughs> I was trying to think how all those flavors were going to work together, but it uh, sounds pretty good. It works, it works. So, Java, I, I wanted to let you know that uh, included on our Thanksgiving table was a very large, crusted, browned-off mac and cheese. And I, we called it the Java mac and cheese. Well, that is that is okay with me, because at, at, my, at my house for Thanksgiving, we had two of those pans, and... Uh, and I and I finished off the last of it uh, just last night. <laughs> so well, Java, how well Java? How did you fix you your, your turkey? Okay. Uh, well, I didn't. Well, I didn't fix my turkey, but my dad. I mean, how did your wife fix your turkey? Well, now my wife. Now it was a collective um, thing for our Thanksgiving. It was my my family, which is me, and my wife, uh, my three kids, my mother, my father, and then my cousin, um, uh, who's, who stays here in Jackson. So we were all small together, but, um, my wife, she made the macaroni, which included five different types of cheeses, if you can Mm. believe it. Um, and my dad, he made the turkey, which was smoked. So he, he pulled out the smoker and, and, and smoked his turkey. And I mean, we were all, just complimenting the chef on that one. And uh, my mom, she made the dressing. Um, uh, if I could say I made anything, I made a mess. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but we did have the cranberry sauce uh, with the ridges per my request. Um, and, uh, and my mom, she made a uh, sweet potato casserole, sort of, kind of, but... It was it was good. It was a new thing she made. I can't remember the exact name for it, but I just called it sweet potato casserole, and it was and it mm-hmm. was good. So we had a nice a well, nice quaint Thanksgiving. I was thinking about you on Thanksgiving Day and wondering if you got your fried pies for Thanksgiving from the aunt in Oxford. I didn't because she didn't come down, you know, because of COVID. And um, I think for Christmas, I, I, you know, I don't think she's going to make it down either. But I'm going I'm to have to steal the recipe and just give it a go myself because that is like a tradition. And, I, you know, because of COVID, I, we didn't have it or I didn't have it this year. <laughs> Well, I think if you got the recipe just, you know, within our friend group and food friend group, we could get somebody to make them for you. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I think we should do a whole show on fried pies. I mean, they are, talk about a deep South delicacy. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that they don't make them uh, in the Midwest or, uh, or the mid, mid America or out up East, but um, boy, I grew up on those fried pies. They were fantastic. Well, Carol, uh, you used to be in the uh, gadget business, in the gift buying and giving business. Um, you used to run the and own the Everyday Gourmet. So in the next segment, we're going to talk a lot about uh, kitchen gifts. Um, but tell us a little bit about your Everyday Gourmet 
tenure and what happens uh, during the holidays when you own a store like that? Well, when when you own a store like the Everyday Gourmet that is really dependent on Christmas, you start in January buying and thinking and planning. You have all your orders done by the end of August and then load up the store in September and October and then you just sell like crazy. <laughs> and as you know from knowing me, it was about 30 years of 18-hour days during the month of December. And uh, the store has to be decorated before Thanksgiving. Uh, actually, you know, now people do it before Halloween because the stores get so busy, you can't afford to you know, take that time and shut down. So you're virtually in a Christmas atmosphere for weeks and weeks and weeks you're hearing Christmas music so perhaps that was why I was not so enthusiastic when you mentioned putting up a Christmas tree because uh-huh. you know, I would I would want to come home and have some kind of peace away from Christmas you know something that wasn't red and green but you know now after you know selling the everyday gourmet and turning it over to the wonderful Marlena Melton I have, you know, renewed my enthusiasm for Christmas. So <laughs> I started collecting new ornaments. And uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to putting up a tree, but I'm not going to do it quite yet. How about you? Um, well, Kara puts up all the Christmas decorations starting on Thanksgiving Day. So after we cleared the Thanksgiving table, she began to put the Christmas tree up, the wreaths, the lights, all of the green greenery. And she just finished yesterday, the decorating. So it went on from Thanksgiving day through yesterday uh, of a complete uh, decoration uh, of the house. So we've been involved in all of that. I decorated a cactus with some. Well, that sounds, sounds about right. But I believe a lot of families have that tradition of clearing the Thanksgiving table and then putting up Christmas decorations. But not Carol Puckett. No, 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 no. So when do you launch? Uh, Probably in about a week. Mm -hmm. Give it a rest. Well, yeah, this year we're quarantining uh, out at at the farm. So, you know, I'll, I'll put some new creativity into it and think of something else to do. Maybe decorate some trees that are in the woods you know, that yeah. we see from the house. I'm going to do something different. That's great. That's great. Java, what's going on? Well, you, you wanted me to take a break and then talk about it. Well, no, I can mention it because we haven't started yet. My mother, she did go ahead and put her tree up, and I'm pretty sure she's going to have the grandkids over and decorate it sometime during this week. But um, we're going to put our tree up uh, this weekend and go ahead and get the, you know, the Santa Claus train going because that's that's what happens at my Ooh. house. <laughs> well, you have young kids to entertain. How old are your kids, Java? Yeah, they're um, my my youngest is two, and then my middle one is four, and then my oldest he's eight. So so, yeah, we are like, you know, all about Santa Claus and the elves and, uh, you know, lumps of coal if you don't do what you're supposed to do. So that's what we are about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. We're going to take our first break today. When we come back, we're going to look at some of the great gifts for that foodie in your life and on your list. 
from classic kitchen staples to the latest in high-tech kitchen gadgets. Also, later in the show, we will talk cookbooks with Katie Malpas from Lemuria Books. So stay tuned. If you want to join the show, tell us about your gift-giving ideas. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or shoot us an email to food at mpbonline.org. Carol and I will be right back. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Here comes Santa Claus, indeed. You are listening to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White here with Carol Puckett, and it's Monday morning on MPB Think Radio. Carol, how in the world are you? Malcolm, I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be with you again. We were off last week, and uh, I really missed that. Yeah. I missed you in Java. And Java put together a great little show for us, yes, uh, last Monday while we were off the air, <clears throat> it's amazing how many really interesting tidbits Java found to piece together for a show. So that's that was it's kind of a best of, you know, and that 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 worked out nicely. Well, I heard from a lot of our listeners, you know, through text and on the uh, Facebook page, uh, that was a pretty creative show. We had John Currents, uh, you had Larison Campbell. It was just you know a real good mix and match so yeah, thank you java fun. and it was fun to listen to it rather than uh to be on the air producing it and creating it that was kind of neat i actually did that so uh you know one of the true joys of the holiday season for many people uh is the gift giving the gift buying um and, and for our friends they are often asking about what are some great uh, foodie ideas, or what's a great gift for the home cook in your life? So, uh, Carol, you got any uh, sort of tidbits or for for some good other than the cool stuff like going online for a cooking class, which Java has done, and you know there are many uh, available classes, Airbnb online experiences uh, that that feature a class with Mississippi's very own Nick Wallace, who has been on the show many times. And then there uh, is the Elaine Trigiani class, a native Mississippian now living in Italy and doing cooking classes. Uh, and April McGregor and lots of others do these cooking classes. Well, uh, yeah, I always love to talk about uh, new gadgets for the kitchen. And yeah, from 30 years of having the Everyday Gourmet and seeing how people buy kitchen tools as stocking stuffers, and gifts are so popular because you can really get some wonderful things and new things to upgrade people's kitchens that aren't so expensive. So, you know, it goes from new sets of cookware down to silicone stirring spoons, which are one of my favorite gadgets. Silicone and, stirring spoons. Yeah, you can, you know, they 
can go up to 600 degrees in heat, but it's, you know, like, it, it, you know, think of like a rubber spatula or a rubber spoon, but they're made of, of silicone. Huh. And that's one of my favorite things. And I keep adding more to my kitchen. Uh, you know, there's uh, you know, all different sizes. There's the silicone pastry brush is one of my favorite gadgets. And that's because, you know, the, the old pastry brush, brushes, the horse hair and the really fine ones, you get bacteria in them and are just so hard to work with. And the silicone pastry brushes are just a marvel. And you can mm-hmm. you know, throw them in the dishwasher. Uh, another thing that I have discovered, it sounds like I'm 100% silicone, is a silicone baking mat. Now, I sold these for years when they came out at the Everyday Gourmet, but I never used one myself. And I just bought myself... A, a baking mat and it actually has circles for the different sizes of pie crust. I'm a big baker and I'm always having to pull out a tape measure to see if that's nine or ten inches or, or what and it has it right there and I go gosh you know why didn't I do that before. Hmm. So it's a silicone Christmas giving. It's a silicone Christmas and, and then hmm. another one that I hope lots of people uh, hear about today is the heat thermometer that you shoot. It's like a gun. Now, it's not the one that you're testing for COVID, but it it looks like a, a, you know, a little gun and you shoot the top of your hot oil. And for those of us who don't have that innate sense of when you reach 350 degrees, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. So it's like a digital uh, gun. You, you just aim yeah. it, and it tells you what the temperature is. Yeah, and, and boy, is that fun. Now, here's a, a, a non-traditional gift. It's a great idea. Java came up with this one. He said, what about this year that you splurge on gift cards for local restaurants? Uh, it's an easy gift to wrap up, and you know that you're helping a local small business who, quite frankly, has been hit uh, really hard by the COVID pandemic. So, you know, buy a gift card. Uh, help a local business, uh, support a bakery, a restaurant, uh, a coffee shop. That's that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, Java is a wise man, and we need to do everything we can to help our friends in the restaurant industry and small businesses. And what about this Bluetooth connected meat thermometer? That that you know anything about that thing? No, I I really don't. That, um, that sounds I, like too many steps removed from reality. You know, and we're kind of old school, Malcolm. Well, I can tell I bet you, Java knows about it. Yeah, that's why I was, uh, you know, in researching for this um, for this segment of the show. There are so many, I guess, like smart connect to your phone or um, connected to your your smart device uh, at your home type of cooking utensils. And this was a meat thermometer that um, used like different little probes. So it has like a couple little one or two little um, devices that you know, monitor the temperature of the meat that you're cooking and it just connects to your phone. So what you do, you just look at your phone and says, okay, my um, meat, I want to cook it medium rare or I want to cook it uh, medium, medium well done. And it's going to have a setting. And when it reaches that temperature, it sends you an alert and Hey, your, your meat is cooked to perfection. (laughs) 
It's well, a brave new world. Yeah. It's I'm going to have to check that out. Just simply leaving us behind, Carol. We're still touching the food and sticking our fingers in there. We're, yeah, I, I'm, very, I'm a very much of a classicist with, with <laughs> hands the, on. But, you know, but I do like, I wouldn't say gadget, but I, I do like the upgrades of, you know, of old things. Yeah. Uh, the automatic pan stir would not be my cup of tea because. No. Oh. I love to stir a pan. I mean, I, I stirred for 50 minutes making that roux. To me, what that's about just part automatic, of the automatic lid opener, the electric corkscrew? I, I don't know. It's It sounds futuristic. Well, electric corkscrews are, you know, a lot of people really like them because it takes all the guesswork. But again, you know, I like... A corkscrew with with the worm, with the worm, but my partner John uh, likes the automatic uh, corkscrew. There you go. Yeah. Now there's a lot of really classic kitchen gifts, um, and and I like this one on our list: a knife sharpener. I bet most people who have a nice kitchen have a lot of knives that are dull as as butter, and 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 a nice simple knife sharpener sharpener is a wonderful gift to give someone uh, to keep those knives uh, in shape so that when you grab a knife, you don't have to stop, sharpen it, then do your chopping, cutting, uh, or slicing. Well, I really recommend V-shaped knife sharpeners. And, you know, there are several out now. You actually, you know, drag the knife through the V and it sharpens both sides of the knife. And most of them have two stages, you know, one where you're sharpening the edge, you're getting the edge and you, you know, pull it through like four or five times. And then the second stage is kind of is finishing, you know, is finishing it. Mm. But uh, these shaped knife sharpeners are great. I mean, having having a whetstone is wonderful or, you know, having uh, like a, a kitchen knife sharpener the old you know the old time that it would take but it's hard for the average person to hold the knife at the right angle to get it sharp and that's why the v-shape for people like us is so good and i just got a text from jane jones who suggested that her small business more than a tourist also has gift cards for foodie tours which she does Uh, around Jackson and really all over the state of Mississippi. So that's another interesting to support a small business like Jane's more than a tourist. Now here's another great one. Cookbook tablet stand for people who use their their recipes, uh, you know, and need them right there in front of them so that they're not in the way or getting food all over them. So, so a stand. That is a great idea. Because I cook from, you know, I have all my recipes on my iPad or either, you know, looking on the Internet for a recipe. That is a wonderful idea. Yeah, but never, you could drop out of it. You could drop your phone in the soup. Yes, you could. You could drop your phone. Also, your phone and your iPad get all sorts of ingredients yeah. over them. Correct. Then you have to end up cleaning all of that stuff. So, again, with all of your years of experience uh, uh, in the gadget business, are there any other sort of hot tips coming out of the kitchen uh, gift giving? You know, I like the old traditional uh, uh, kitchen 
uh, towels, just a nice set of, of sturdy, uh, dependable kitchen towels, uh, you know, cause pe- people are always scrambling for another rag or another towel or something to clean with. Yeah. And we need to change out every now and then kitchen towels and oven mitts make great kitchen gifts. Uh, one of my favorite things is the microplane grater and they now have all different, different sizes, but the original ones were made by a company in Arkansas that made them for carpenters and people like Martha Stewart. This has been 20 years ago, repurposed them for cheese graters. And it's just the handiest thing to have in your kitchen for doing, uh, you know, there's a fine one for lemon zest. There's, there are you know, three different sizes of cheese graters, but that's always one of my favorite ones. And it looks great sticking out of a stocking. Yeah, that's beautiful. Now, what about a bamboo cutting board? You know, the cutting board, there's so many different kinds of cutting boards, plastic. There's probably even a silicone one, right? Yes. Uh, I really prefer the polypropylene, you know, the... Uh, it, yeah, it's kind of a softer plastic like you see in restaurants. They're great on knives, and they're also sanitary and easy to clean. You have to be really careful with what you put on wood and how you clean it because of, of bacteria. But, you know, but bamboo is a very popular wood right now, and I see a lot of them. But I, I'm old school in that way. I think we should have a wooden carving board, but yeah, the others should be a plastic that can be sanitized. Do you have one having just gone through this experience over Thanksgiving of carving an enormous bird, carving the turkey, and then all of the juices, do you have one with the juice tray around it? I do. Uh, I have I have a big black polypropylene one with the juice well around it. And then, you know, when I want to show off, I have uh, an old wooden board that has the well around it. But that is always a problem at Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, in, the, in the next segment, after we take this break, we're going to be talking about the quintessential gift for the kitchen. And that is the cookbook, which I've been collecting most of my adult life, Carol, and I know you have, too. Yes, I have. And people not only like to cook out of cookbooks, they like to read them. And I've been so happy that the cookbook industry has really held up, even with all the, you know, online publishing. You know, people just love a cookbook. Yeah. So it's a great gift um, uh, this time of year. And when we come back from our break, we're going to have a guest on who's going to talk to us about her wall of cookbooks at Lemuria Bookstore. Uh, Katie Malpas will come and talk to us uh, when we return. She is, again, as I say, from Lemuria Books, and she'll talk about all the new cookbooks that are out this season, some of the classics. Uh, I got one I want to talk about. Uh, so hang in there, and Carol and Java, and I will be back with uh, Katie Malpas from Lemuria Books, and we will talk about some great gifts uh, that, in, that include books about food and cookbooks. So please stay tuned. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or please shoot us an email to food at 
mpbonline.org. We'll be right back with more Deep South Dining. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. That's Elvis Costello with Every Day I Write the Book. And before we take the deep dive into cookbooks as gifts and cookbooks just as literature, we've got a caller on the line. We'd like to welcome Kay from Madison to Deep South Dining. Hello, Kay. Hey, how are you today? Really good. How about you? I am doing great. And I was just calling to share some information with the listeners that they may or may not be interested in, but... Um, I'm an only child, so I am responsible generally for making the Thanksgiving meal for my mom and myself and my, my nuclear family. And uh-huh. my mother-in-law is a phenomenal cook, like, you know, kind of known for her cooking. So it's been difficult for me to prepare a Thanksgiving meal that my husband will eat all of or not only eat a few bites of here and there and, and say he'll wait until he eats at his mother's house. But I painstakingly planned out, like, every ounce of my meal, worked on it for, like, a week. And I was so elated that not only did he and my children eat everything, scrape their plates, when we visited my mother-in-law, they didn't even ask for anything to eat. So I felt like (laughs) I had, like, (laughs) hit the lotto because I've never been able to feel comfortable with saying, Someone else could come, like, fix a plate in my house or something. But I was literally throwing away, giving away food. I'm like, come eat some of this food. It tastes delicious this year. So I thank y'all. I frequent your Facebook channel and listen to, you know, for tips and things like that. So I didn't particularly get any specific things from you guys this year for Thanksgiving. But I really have just, like, purposely planned out to have, like, the best Thanksgiving meal. And it really, really worked out down to the dessert. Well, I'm I'm very touched by what you say because I think that you have really summed up what cooks you know what cooks feel. It's when you prepare something and it's you know it's cooking is hard and it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of creativity and when you put something of yourself on the table and then other people react to it in a positive way it is a wonderful feeling and congratulations it sounds like you did a great thanksgiving yeah and it's a, it's, yeah, I congratulations. Guess it's a lot of more pressure than you would think because i don't have a, like a lot of you know like extended family members that's, that's dropping off dishes and contributing so you have to get every single meal you know every single dish right because it's just you, and it that was. I think it was more person than I knew until this Thanksgiving, when I felt like you know Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on your Thanksgiving meal, and keep on cooking. And we appreciate you listening to Deep South Dining, and we appreciate you taking the time to call and share with us the success you had this year with your Thanksgiving meal. Now, we've talked throughout the show about good gift giving and what might be a nice uh, gift for a foodie or the home cook in your family. But we believe that a good book is never a bad idea. And I'm sure that our next guest would agree. From Lemuria Books in Jackson, let us welcome now Katie Malpas to the show. Hello, Katie. 
Hey, how are y'all? We're real good. We're real good. Good. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk about some cookbooks with y'all. Well, back in October, y'all, your newsletter featured Katie's Great Wall of Cookbooks. (laughs) And I want you to talk about that great wall. I've visited it many times, as Carol has. And tell us what's going on in the uh, 2020 cookbook world. Yeah, so... We re- we were closed down, of course, um, to the public for a while. And so during that time, we worked really hard to kind of revamp some sections and uh, breathe a little new life into the store. And I was tasked with doing that to the cookbook section. And I loved every second of it. I've always loved to eat and I've always loved to cook, too. So um, it was a really fun project. And then we noticed that. You know, a lot of people during quarantine when, um, you know, they couldn't get out to restaurants as much were really turning to cooking and trying new things in the kitchen. And uh, so we really tried to keep up with that and reflect that and uh, give people some new options of things to try and um, ways to experiment in the kitchen. Well, that's good. And I know that your uh, great wall of cookbooks features a lot of Mississippi uh, chefs and, and books written by Mississippians, Elizabeth High School, John Currents, Martha Foose, all of whom have yeah. been on this show. And I know Carol had a, a nice list of, of books that uh, she would recommend. Yeah, um, I saw on your, on your website, too, the Duke's Mayonnaise Cookbook. That's yeah. been, that was a real popular cookbook for us. We had the author, Ashley Strickland Freeman, on the show and that hit a nerve so has that been a good good book for y'all it has been it has been I remember when we got that book in um and I looked through it and I never realized how much you could do with mayonnaise and that I mean what a staple that is for uh southern cooking and uh I mean I, I remember mostly just having sandwiches with just mayonnaise tomato white bread from my Nana that she used to make. Um, But there is so much that you can do with Duke's mayonnaise. It was, it was eye opening. So that one's been a really, really. Yeah, it's a fun one. So, so tell us what are some of your hot cookbooks right now? Yeah. So one of the ones that has been um, really popular and that everyone in the store has really enjoyed is called the Zert person. It's a new release by Claire Staffitz. Um, and it is one, it's just a beautiful cookbook. Uh, it's so much fun to look at. And uh, I, as soon as we got them in, I got a copy for myself and have already been working on some recipes and have made the chewy molasses cookies that she has in there, I think about four or five times now. Um, she, she's phenomenal because she gives people um, so much guidance, which is really helpful. Um, if you have cooked for a while or if you're new to the kitchen, it's really helpful to be able to troubleshoot some problems that might happen, especially with baking because it's so precise and so many things can go wrong. Um, so she does a phenomenal job of that and it's just a really fun one too. So. Okay. So that is dessert person by Claire Saffitz. And I believe it, I think that's a $35 book. Mm Mm-hmm. I think around that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what else do you have? So some other ones that we have really enjoyed, um, 
around Christmas, but also just throughout the year. One that we've loved is Jubilee by Tony Tipton Martin. I have a copy with me right here because I was looking through it earlier this morning. And yeah, look what I have. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my favorite book too. It is so, so beautiful. Um I have flipped through this so many times in the store. Uh at any time I got a free chance, I would just kind of sneak over and look through it. Um I think it's it's a wonderful example, I think, of what cookbooks are and can be, um, because it's not just recipes, it's a lot of stories and a lot of history about um, you know, African American food and how that has shaped so much of what we consider American food and Southern food, especially, and how much we owe to all these different um, regions and how we owe so much of the flavor that we enjoy um, in our food and Southern food um, to that. And it's just, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful history. I think it's, it's a gorgeous cookbook to have. So I've really enjoyed that one. Well, Tony Tipton Martin has a Mississippi con connection. Uh, Malcolm and I, you know, knew her, became acquainted with her uh, at the Southern Foodways Alliance. She was one of the first presidents of the Southern Foodways Alliance. Oh, wow. she's, she's a journalist. Uh, her, her, previous job was uh, on the West Coast, and she was just named editor-in-chief of Cook's Country Magazine, oh, and yeah. that is, it's a really big deal. Uh, she also won the James Beard Award for Best Cookbook this year, which was Jubilee, and I just can't say enough about, about this book. Yes, it is. If, if anyone asks, um, you know, comes in the store and asks for just a good cookbook or one that we've been enjoying, Jubilee is always top of the list. It's, it's wonderful. It's just a, a really great cookbook. So what are some of your other hot titles that uh, people are <clears throat> clamoring for, or looking for, or asking about this year? Yeah, so we always get a lot of people looking for great Mississippi cookbooks um, from the wonderful stuff that we have in the state. Uh, so we always um, like to showcase those. Martha Hall Foose has put out a new one, um, A Good Meal is Hard to Find, which is so fun. Um, it's, it's got wonderful recipes, of course, but it's just a really great gift. Um, it's beautiful. It's really got great illustrations. Um, so that's a great one. And we've always got uh, a ton of John Currents cookbooks, which are wonderful. I mean, he's can do no wrong. Uh, with yeah, his tailgrate cookbook is very timely. And yeah. because people can't tailgate in, you know, huge numbers at college football games right, right now, it just has a lot of inspiration and uh, yeah, different types of food than you thought of. And Malcolm, he was on the show not too long ago, and, and we got pretty excited about that book. Yeah, he said only he could deliver a tailgating book during a pandemic and get away <laughs> with it when, when no one can gather. Yeah. But I'm sure, uh, you know, there's also the classics, like I'm sure – that people come in looking for Craig Claiborne books, looking for James Beard books, looking for the joy of cooking, the old standards uh, from from all the classics. Those have still got to be hot items. 
Oh, yes. We always, um, people are always interested in the joy of cooking. They're always interested in those classics. Um, especially, I feel like the Southern kind of classic cookbooks, uh, you know, the ones that are specific to Jackson or Mississippi, come on in, um, Southern Sideboards, those kind of classic cookbooks. Um, just You can't beat those recipes because they are just good comfort food, home cooking, really great stuff. So we always have a lot of... Uh, have a lot of people asking about those. I wanted to talk about one that people would enjoy as a gift to children, young marrieds, you know, people just leaving the leaving the nest. And it's called How to Cook by Hugh Atchison. And Hugh is uh, the chef of Five and Ten in Athens, Georgia, and he has other restaurants now. Uh, in Atlanta, he has a national podcast and truly one of my favorite cooks. But this was just published in How to Cook, Building Blocks and 100 Simple Re- Recipes for a Lifetime of Meals. And he wrote this with his two daughters in mind. His daughters are teenagers. And he wanted to fill this book's, book with techniques. And if you can master these 100 recipes, You'll know how to cook for life. But there hasn't been a lot in this category. In fact, I really can't think of anything that's uh, that's quite like this, which is a basic book for young people starting out. But yeah. it's also, I'm going to cook out of it too. It's wonderful. Yeah, I remember um, when we got that book in to the store, um, I hadn't heard too much about it before we got it in. We have a... Um, you know, a small children's cookbook section. But most of that is kind of geared towards kids cooking with their parents, learning how to cook if they're interested in baking. Um, It's very simple recipes for that. Um, But there really isn't a lot for young people who are just, you know, just moving out or just off to college or just um, living on their own for the first time who don't really know too much about anything as far as technique and how to build flavor and that kind of stuff. So it really is a, a really special cookbook and the recipes are awesome. Uh, I've thought about buying it myself because I do like a, a good instructional cookbook that kind of teaches you how to be able to do things on your own without a recipe. So, Well, we're going to have him on the show in the next few weeks and we'll keep you posted at, at Lemuria when that happens. Yes, please do. Please do. It's a, a great cookbook. So I'm excited to hear from him. So, so Lemuria what, not only sells new cookbooks, but y'all also sell used, not used, but limited edition and rare books. And there's a couple of classics that yeah. I just love. One of them oh, is yeah. A Cook's Tour of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. was published by the Clarion Ledger back in the early 1980s. The forward is written by Willie Morris. It's a wonderful book about Mississippi food culture and food ways. Uh, and then another one that I love is Jesse's book of Creole and Deep South Recipes. Uh, that was put together by Edith and John Watts uh, from Bay St. Louis. And Jesse's book of Creole in Deep South is is really hard to find. I've got Lemuria chasing a copy of it down for me as we speak. It was the first edition was published in 1954 and later uh, republished, uh, I think, in 85. But this is a real nice piece. If you're looking for rare or limited edition, uh, you guys also have that, right, Katie? 
Yes, we do. And we actually have a copy of a cook's tour um, in the store right now. I believe it's a first edition. It's, it's wonderful. Um, a really, really cool book. I can see why, why that one would be a cool one to have, but we do have a copy in the store. So. I love the uh, lemon icebox pie recipe out of there. Um, it, it's just mm, 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 good. That is one of my favorite desserts of all time. So well, go look at the one out. in a cook's tour. Uh, it's from the old Fannin Mart restaurant, which mm. is still around, but it used to be out by the reservoir. It's moved, I think, over on Highway 80. Um, but another uh, component of, of books uh, about culinary features is books about drinks, cocktails, whiskey, and of course, bourbon. And there's a brand new book out by Mississippi's own Wright Thompson, a book called yeah. Pappy Land. Uh, and it's all about whiskey uh, and stories written uh, from Wright's perspective. Well, and uh, Pappy Land refers to uh, Pappy Van Winkle, which is G and Van Winkle's family brand that's become kind of a cult bourbon you know very hard to get very expensive now so um, lots of pappy fans out there so i bet that's going to be a great book for y'all yes it has been a great book so far um people have really loved it and i was lucky enough to uh get to look at our owner john evans copy with his notes and and bookmarks in there and i haven't gotten a chance to read it yet but it is a gorgeous book. I mean, Wright Thompson is a phenomenal writer and we're lucky to have him in the state. Well, we thank you for being on the show today and we thank you for listening. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Stink Radio. It's funded by generous contributions from listeners just like you. Our show was produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Puckett, and our guest, Katie Malpas. I'm Malcolm White. Now, please stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11.